This is Monocle on Design, a show where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Nick Manise. On today's program, we visit an exhibition of artistic objects in the heart of Marlebone. We also check in with designer Jorge Penades, whose recently completed wrap project in Madrid was inspired by hollowed cardboard tubes. And we meet the team at Gallery Revel, a Bordeaux-based contemporary design space. All that coming up on Monocle on Design. We start in London, uh, in the studios at Midori House, where I have Monocle's Andre Nikolai Pamintuan joining me. Uh, Andre, welcome. You've Hi. been <laughs> you've, now you've been out of the office and in the field uh, recently visiting the current exhibition at Soshiro Gallery in Marlebone. It's called Not Black or White. Tell me a little bit about it. All right. Well, Not Black or White at the Soshiro Gallery is a collection of about 60 works from paintings, textiles, sculptures, and design pieces in glass and metal and, and wood by creatives based both in the UK and Africa. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot going on there. Tell me a little bit about the significance of the exhibition. It's really to highlight the work of emerging talents and artists across all sectors and contextualize the raw stories behind the pieces uh, with the title, you know, Not Black or White. We focus on vibrant and the exuberant use of colors as a reflection of life and, and the perspectives of, of the artists. Contextualizing, I guess, the work, 60 different pieces, it's an incredibly difficult job. And that sort of falls to, I guess, the people curating it and, and directing it. Uh, you spoke to the curator, I believe? Yes. So I spoke with Shiro Moshiri, who really talked about the science behind the curation and obviously thinking about the relationship as well between the art pieces and the audiences. Excellent. Well, let's hear from Shiro now. Not black or white is is basically to highlight the hues and colors that are in everything and trying to identify the different colors and tones. And those colors and tones um, have been used to demonstrate what unifies us in, irrespective of where we're from, what we do, um, what we love. And therefore, color has such uh, endless gradients, and so is who we are. And maybe the audience, if they take away the fact that how we see color, the different shades we see it, it's how we all see life in different shades and different colors. And, and therefore, color is a way of understanding how people's perspectives, again, a unifying factor. Could you take me through the, um, the, the science of, of curating, bringing uh, your group of creatives together in, in this beautiful gallery? Um, curating is always um, wanting to create an experience that um, everybody collectively, different works together, tell a story and give a very great experience. The science behind that is to tie in the stories being told and not just on different layers. So the stories being told, the synergies between the different creatives. We try and dig into what the artist is trying to say and see how that can be transposed from a curatorial perspective. And we also have to look at how everything works together so that when you walk in, you feel really inspired altogether. So the science is all about how do you stitch all of this audiences and experiences and people you're working with so that everybody feels that 
It's been just wonderful to have this put together. That was Shiro Mushiri, creative director of Soshiro Gallery in Malabone. Now, Andre, I mean, I think that bit of audio for me shows, I guess, the storytelling exercise that is curation. And, and you know, Shiro's bringing together or bringing a sense of cohesiveness to all these different, uh, uh, she described them as colour perspectives. And I guess in terms of those colour perspectives, you, you know, you managed to chat to some of the artists and who were who showing work as part of the exhibition. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about them and, and I guess their individual stories that, that Shiro's pulled together here? Great. Yeah. So first I spoke with Chris Day, who is very interesting. He he has a background in plumbing and is also a heating engineer. Um, and while at uni, he experimented with glass. And, and, and of course, he wanted to take something that he had already been familiar with in his work as a plumber and, and heating engineer, which is copper. So he married um, these two in his recent work at Soshiro and created these beautiful abstract glass sculptures that were blown into copper structures that resembled cages. And these resulted into these glass objects that, for me, represented the human experience of wanting to break free from from the struggles and and the shackles that have been imposed on many marginalized people. And in Chris's case, the reflection on Black lives in the UK and the US. Brilliant. And I mean, it sounds like an amazing person as well. He can fix your toilet and make great art for you. So uh, let's hear from Chris Day now. When I was growing up, There was no Black History Month. There was no Black History Week. Not even a Black History Hour. I didn't learn any Black History. So when I went to uni, I decided to learn about stuff that I'd not been taught. So I learnt about lynching, Emmett Till's, the transatlantic slave trade, but not the stuff that is visible, the stuff that's invisible, the brutal bits. And for me, it was the images. Looking at these images of how they packed these slave ships in, how they threw slaves over just to get compensation from the insurers. All these different aspects, it affected me emotionally. When I went to university, I thought I was going to go there to get educated and come out really brainy. But actually, it opened me up emotionally to things that were hidden. So when I found out about these stories, it was my way of getting it out. I didn't have an audience at the time. There was no George Floyd, there was no Black Lives Matter, there was just me and my tutors. And so for me, it was looking at images and I wanted to put these into work so I could get it out of what I'd seen. And that was hard. When you're looking at images of Emmett Till and the brutalness of what they've done to him just because of the colour of his skin, how do you put that into a piece of work? But somehow I did. I'm looking at your your glass pieces. These are sort of like abstract bodies sort of encased in copper. What is the symbolism or metaphor behind uh, these works? I was already researching into slavery and the transatlantic slave trade, but I didn't have this dialogue or this uh, way of being able to tell the story with clay. But as soon as I blew into these copper structures with the glass, it was doing all the words for me. It was trying to break free. It was fragile. It was encased. It was caged. You know, all these kind of words were there looking at me and staring at my face. So it made it easier for me to tell the lecturers what I could see of my work instead of trying to fumble around and make a fool of myself. So it made me feel comfortable using copper. And the glass, it did all the work for me. All I had to do was gather it, not use a lot of skills and blow. I didn't have to spend hours and hours manipulating this glass into a form 
the glass helped me. And it helped me not just to make things, but that, that way of soothing my heart and getting rid of all these stories, this emotional effect it had on me looking at these pictures. Looking at my artwork, it gave me a sense of relief. That was artist Chris Day there. And Andre, what I really liked about that grab was the fact that, that he just sort of lets the glass do a lot of the work. And I think as designers and, and you know, as, as craftspeople, people are often trying to control and, and really manipulate the materials that they're working with. So it was just kind of refreshing to hear him recognising that, in fact, he was at the mercy of the material and he could only have a certain level of input before, I guess, just letting it take charge. And I, I, I guess that's just, from my end, quite, quite refreshing. But I know you also spoke to another glass artist who I guess is working in, in a similar way. That was Catherine Schilling. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about her work and what was on show? Yes, Catherine Schilling uh, began her work as a graphic designer and then went on to study uh, glass art. And Catherine creates this illusion of softness through her glass sculptures. And, and while her pieces are large in scale, there's this delicate quality about them. And, and her color palette is very much influenced by the natural states of water, icebergs, waterfalls, and, and whirlpools, for example. What's great is that beyond the aesthetic, she explores concepts rooted in mythology, uh, the, the urban landscape, and uses her glasswork as literal vessels that tells the stories reflective of what's happening around us. Amazing. Well, let's hear some of those stories now. Right. So I've got um, what at first might look like completely different bodies of work, but underlying them all is a technique that I've been using for most of the time I've worked in glass, where I create woven glass from that, I've learned to create quite solid, monolithic-looking pieces, but I also make very fine fabric-like pieces. And sometimes I can t- combine the fabric with blown glass so that I make a blown glass figure that's enrobed in, in woven glass fabric. What was the inspiration of these works that we have here today, then? My latest pieces uh, here are based at the look they have a look of a greek amphora like a tall storage jar that has handles and i've um, used the woven fabric glass fabric to sort of close the top off and, and and really tighten tight around the neck so that nothing can get out and these are based on the um the story of pandora and the the amphora that she brought with her with the gifts of the gods for men, which was when you open it, all the evils of the world had escaped out of this jar that she brought with her. And she quickly put the lid back on. In doing so, hope remained in the jar. So we were given all the, all the evils of the world, but we had no hope to help us through it. And I just think it's sort of the idea of um, the evils that, that happen in the world. It's just constant constant this the story still sort of resonates today so what is the hope um uh, for 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 these works what, what do you want the audiences to take away from 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 your new works that are here i'd like people to like them as objects but also to understand that they, they're my way of telling stories i'm not a writer but i can tell stories through the sculptures that i produce and sometimes people just like them as objects, but sometimes they really like to, that, that, that there's an underlying story to them. 
That was glass artist Catherine Schilling there. Uh, I mean, Andre, thank you for both of those reports. I guess I, I, I feel like I keep giving my little reflections off the end, but I really, I really like hearing this in the studio as we're going through it. And particularly with Catherine, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, I guess, she underlines how physical forms, you know, in, in this case, these vessels she's making, but I guess the same can, you know, be applied to chairs, tables, furniture, uh, cutlery, uh, how, how these physical forms can, I guess, tell a story and, and there can be some depth to them. I mean, if people want to see the show and, and Chris and Catherine's work, where can they do this and, and when does it run until? Right, so Not Black or White runs until the 17th of March 2023 at the Sochero Gallery here at Marlebone. Okay, beautiful. So if, if you're in London or stopping by London, then then we really suggest you drop in. Andre Nikolai Pamintuan, thank you very much for joining us in the studio and we'll hear more from you soon. Thank you. Monocle's fresh out-of-the-blocks March issue asks if the automotive industry is heading in the right direction with an in-depth dive into the future of electric vehicles plus the potholes along the way. Elsewhere in the issue, we offer a common-sense manifesto for the future of business that's more bulls and bears than it is unicorns and fancy valuations. Plus, architect Ivan Ivanov's new Aussie vernacular, a crafty new inn in Fukuoka, and a review of Europe's best new factories for fashion brands looking to make it at home. Buy the issue today or do the right thing and subscribe so you never miss a beat. Head to monocle.com slash subscribe for more. Now we're off to the Spanish capital and to Matadero, Madrid. Once a slaughterhouse, the complex has since been transformed into a cultural centre. And it's here that we catch up with Jorge Penades, one of three Spanish designers involved in Natural Connections. It's an exhibition by the American Hardwood Export Council, or AHEC, and has been put on as part of the Madrid Design Festival, which is currently in full swing. The brief... Well, that was to create furniture that will be a staple in the public-facing areas of the building. Jorge's response uses cherry wood veneer, twisting it into hollow tubes to create a modular construction system called wrap. Tiered seating, a display for printed materials and a platform for an architectural model of the Matadero Madrid have all been fashioned from this system. To find out a little more, here's Jorge. The idea was to take a kind of slightly different angle, so not working with hardwoods, but finding another format within the wood industry that we can explore. And I decided to go for the uh, wooden veneer, which is not that conventional wooden format. Wooden veneer is usually used as a decorative material. And then here we can see how the properties of the wooden veneer are converted or translated into more structural properties. So that's, I think, is a very interesting point of this project as well. So how to translate a decorative material into a more structural one. I used to be called the leather guy because I was kind of obsessed with leather. Um, so it was trying to make a leg for the table in leather by rolling a leather strap onto kind of mold or solid pipe and then take the pipe out. And then a friend of mine told me, Jorge, have you seen the production process of the cardboard rolls? It's like, no. So he sent me a video and then my mind was blown away, right? And the idea of the whole project is to translate how cardboard rolls or kitchen paper cardboard rolls are manufactured. These two layers of cardboard glued together 
uh, in opposite directions against each other. And this produced a sort of hollow pipe. And then the idea was to translate this production process into wood. With uh, two layers of 0.7 millimeters of wooden veneer, you actually achieve uh, yeah, a very long pipe, which you can then translate into a constructed system. I'm sitting on one here, let's see. Yeah. So it's a pretty solid structure, and that's hollow. Yeah. It's completely hollow. The only solid material is the joints, which you can see here in black. Uh, we tinted it and we finished it with some oils. When we got the commission from AHEC, one important point from the three designers was because I think 2023 doesn't make sense anymore to invest a lot of money and a lot of energy and a lot of resources in for one week exhibition. So we really wanted to make something that lasts uh, a little bit longer. So we make a deal with Matadero and they will host this piece for two years. So actually the effort that we're all doing is going to last a little bit longer. Constructing on top of this idea, we were asking the Matadero art director, Rosa Ferre, which were the necessities that they were having within this space. So she suggested that three places, the entrance, and then this space, which basically they, is the entrance door, and then the, the hallway through the patio, the big patio. One of the issues that they had is with this model of the refurbishment of the entire uh, Matadero in Spanish Slaughter House. And before it was standing on a base, so I decided to start the project from there. What can we do to improve the experience of the model? Uh, so that's why we did the base for the model. Then we did these uh, seating tiers. So you can see basically facing both sides because another need that they suggest us to kind of consider was that they need so some furniture for communication. So for books, for like, uh, you know, flyers and, uh, you know. So that's why we're kind of seeing these three pieces, bookshelf, little cabinet, then seating tiers. Experimenting with this process, what, what have been, I guess, the major learnings for you that maybe you'll take into your practice going forward? My motto is to do with very little as much as possible. This is another example of like with two layers of 0.7 millimeters wooden veneer, then you can have these pipes and then actually we cannot show it to the audience, but I would love to kind of lift this is a five meter long, uh, low shelf, and you can actually lift it with two hands. So, meaning that it's extremely light, brings you other know, properties uh, with the project. And also another uh, dream is to make architecture. One of the big references for this project was Shigeru Ban, which is an architect that has been doing architecture with cardboard rolls since forever. And I would love to kind of uh, go down this path somehow in the future. That is, again, it's a system. I'm, I'm really interested in to kind of, not modularity, but this sort of like idea that doesn't necessarily need to have like a end result. I can have many. So it's basically this idea. It's, uh, it's like a module that then you can, you can allow people to construct with. What do you think is key for institutions and for, I guess, design schools to be teaching students? Like, what do you feel there needs to be more of a focus on maybe or that actually is being done very well at the moment? I think the economic part is crucial. They are all good. They all know how to use the talent and the creativity, but they don't know usually how to make money out of their creativity, how to capitalize their creativity and this is crucial I mean otherwise you're just an amateur you will never become a you know, professional I used to say that my first years uh, I was pretending to be a designer but it was a very expensive hobby I became a professional quite recently right when you manage to have clients that pays you a certain amount of money for doing something and then you manage to pay bills 
with that. Otherwise, it's just like uh, you've been having side jobs for many years, and then again, it was a very expensive hobby. So I think the challenge in the this you know in academia or in you know the, the academic context is really make sure that the students are able to pay bills from the work. I was living in the Netherlands, and in the Netherlands is you know. 16 years old kids they just buy some tools and then they make something together and then they start selling it it's immediate it's within their dna in spain we're not that much used to this uh, working yeah format or, or, or method design education or in general education in spain is mostly they give you the the skills in order to work for someone else they don't offer you the possibility to maybe think about working for yourself which is something that in other countries is completely normal. Jorge Panades in conversation with Monocle's May Lee Evans there. Madrid Design Festival is on until the 12th of March, but the works formed as part of the Natural Connections exhibition will be on show at the Matadero Madrid for the next two years. Join Marco Sippi for the menu, bringing you Monocle 24's recipe for the best in drinking and dining. We make entertaining a doddle. It's incredibly easy to make. With expert opinions. You can use fish fillets, which you grill in the oven or pan fry. A bit of seasoning. Lots of lime, a lot of cracked pepper, and a bit of good olive oil. And plenty of spice. And then you cook it in caraway and seven spice, as well as something sweet. Then you take a big pot of mascarpone and spoon it into your egg yolk. And maybe even a little bit nuts. You take it out, you top it with some pine nuts and you're good to go. It's a recipe that's guaranteed to impress. It's slightly controversial, but it's the one thing that has surprised the most people when they eat it. Premiering live on Monocle 24 every Friday at 20.00 London time or downloadable wherever you get your podcasts. Back to London now, where Collect, the leading international fair for contemporary craft and design, took place over the weekend. One stand at the fair caught our eye, exhibiting the works of a new contemporary art and design space, Gallery Ravel. Founded in 2021, the Bordeaux-based gallery collaborates with emerging artists, designers and architects from or living in the global south. Our producer, Maylie Evans, caught up with one of the team. My name is Anais, I'm the uh, assistant gallery at Galerie Revel. So we are a gallery based in the south of France, in Bordeaux. We try to choose artists that uh, work different uh, uh, mediums. So we have uh, marquetry, so this is the work of wood. We have fabric, we have ceramic. So, and it's just the idea of bringing everything together, all those different worlds and universes in the same room. Let's take a walk over to the marquetry and tell me a little bit more about that particular piece. Here we are in front of um, Antoine Laborde's work. He's a French-based artist and he works wood. And what's very interesting in his work, so he will use the natural um, essence, the natural colours of the wood. Um, some of them are unpainted uh, for the deep blue, the deep greens as well. But he will try to keep the, the natural colour of the wood. So we have the maple, some pure wood. When you come very close, it's a very uh, intricate work, very detailed, complex. 
and he's very much inspired by the natural environment. So he did a lot of trips, this specific trip in India that he did. Uh, so all the nature and the colors that was surrounding him during this trip. Some of the people that come in front of his artworks, uh, they say that it reminds them of the work of Danny Rousseau. So we have this kind of very naive movement um, in his uh, in his style. We've got quite a range of disciplines on show. What would you say is the link between them or what is the thread that brings all these different pieces together? So um, the gallery would like to showcase artists that don't really create into a specific category. They have dialogues between what is craft, what is considered as craft, as design, as art. So we'll say that what brings all of these uh, artists together is they don't fit in any categories and this is what we cherish and this is what we love um, about the, these artists. Yeah. And, and they're from a range of places. Where geographically have we got represented today? We have um, Samuel Naram, who's from Nigeria. We have uh, Xante Summers. She's based between Zimbabwe and the UK. Uh, we have um, also French artists. But the Global South is really our main focus. And you were saying earlier to me um, that this is quite a young gallery. This is your first time at Collect. So, yeah, what's it been like sort of coming here for the first time? So, yeah, first time in London. So that means also for most of the artists that we have here, it's also their first time exhibiting in London. But we're very happy because it means for us to showcase some artists that are very already well-known, like uh, Antoine Laborde in France, to showcase him for the first time in London, Samuel Noram. He won many prizes in Nigeria, but uh, for us, it's just to bring other gazes on their works. You're saying sort of relatively young gallery, sort of 2021, is that when you, when you first started? What's the landscape like now for a gallery starting out? Sort of, what are some of the challenges that you face? Yes. Especially when you are, uh, when you have this goal of uh, representing artists from the global south. A lot of questions regarding minority and who are the big name in the art market, who has their places, uh, not only in the art market, but also who writes critics and where do the cultures and the art come from. So, yeah, all those questions are very important to us. Um, so we really try to focus on the message of what the artists want to bring to on the table. What would you like to see more of when it comes to supporting young galleries like this? Like what would be really helpful to help, um, I guess, establish it? What would you like to see more of? More artists from the Global South that are, um, are not uh, directly associated to working traditional things. And we have all of these discussions, especially with uh, Yinka Shoniba is the main, uh, main example where people wanted to see Africanity in his work. I think we have to <laughs> rethink our way to think about where those people come from and what the questions about traditional, because it's a very complicated question. Yeah, no, no, and I, I, I find that idea of traditional really interesting because mm-hmm. I think particularly now the world is so globalized, people yes. come from so many different places. And yeah, and sometimes we kind of forget, <laughs> you know, uh, some people don't want to accept the fact that the world is transforming and tradition transforms over the time. Uh, it does very quickly right now. Are there any good examples here of, I guess, someone's bringing it into contemporary or... Samuel Nahum is a good example. He uses a, a pre-loved wax fabric. People think it's African, but the history is much, much deeper and it's actually not African. <laughs> he uses this fabric 
and uh, he uses well in this case the um, tradition of weaving that is uh, really important uh, in Nigeria it just brings these questions about what does it mean to use these, those traditional fabrics in the modern world electrical design it's not something that's mass produced that a lot of people have access to what does collectible design allow makers to do what space does it provide for artists for designers that the traditional you know design make 10,000 of the same thing what does that this mm-hmm. this space allow yeah most of the designer artists that we see here have studied years and years so it's a savoir-faire that they mastered and so much effort into uh, taking those pieces and um, creating uh, a story around them fairs are not you know not only about uh, paintings and sculptures, it's more than this. There's place for other form of arts and to kind of, uh, I don't know, re, uh, re-explore the categorizations between the low heart, high heart. A nice Olga Mathurin there, gallery assistant at Ravel. And that's all for today's show. For more design stories, listen to our five-minute midweek bonus show, Monocle on Design Extra, which airs on Thursdays. And if you enjoy print then do pick up a copy of Monocle magazine as well. It's on all good newsstands now. Today's episode was produced by Maylee Evans. I'm Nick Manise, and you can reach me on nm at monocle.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>